0: Today we continue with our fail series and I just want to start with some questions today and I thought maybe we'd warm up a little bit first. So uh, so let me ask this, how many of you are going to be rooting for the Chiefs tonight in the Super Bowl? Chiefs fans, raise your hand, alright, there are a few Chiefs fans out there. How many of you are rooting for the 49ers tonight in the Super Bowl, 49ers fans, excellent. Uh, how many of you could really care less about the game, you're rooting for great commercials, tonight. Great commercial. That's really why you're going to watch. And how many of you, how many of you are really not interested in any of that, but you are tuning in because you want to see if Taylor Swift makes it back from Tokyo in time for the game? It's okay to be honest. Swifties, I know you're out there. You can, you can admit it here. It's a, it's a safe space. Do you know, Do you know you can cast bets on that in Las Vegas? Like, you can literally bet whether Taylor Swift is going to make it back and how many, how much time she is going to be on TV. And I started thinking about that. And like, like fundraising for the church, we could bet on the pastor's sermon length every week, right? So if you want to place your bets today, Carolyn and Leanna will be out there right after service. They're happy. No. I'm totally joking, and if, uh, if you tell the bishop I said that, I'm going to get in trouble, just so you know. <laughs> I do have some questions that I want us to think about today as we get started. Let me ask this. Um, how many of you have ever said, I just want things to go back to the way they were before? I just want things to go back to the way they were before. How many of you have said this, I just want things to return to normal? just want things to return to normal. How many have have said or thought this, when this season of life passes, then things will be okay. I just have to get through this season of life, and then things will be okay. Anybody ever, ever been down that road? I think if we're honest, we all have these spells in our life, these times in our life when we feel stuck, or we feel directionless, or we feel like we failed and we're not sure how to reset things. Or, or we feel like we're not where we want to be in life and we're not sure how to get there. And it's those times in life when, when we do, we just begin to long for the other side, right? The other side of despair. The, the other side of the struggle. The other side of, of grief. The other side of recovery from failure. The, the other side of being stuck. Today with the help of Jeremiah, we're going to talk about about this hope for the other side. And last last week, as we started to talk about Jeremiah, I gave you a song, Jeremiah was a bullfrog, to say that Jeremiah was not a bullfrog. But some of you, many of you actually, told me this week that it got stuck in your head. And so we're going to talk about Jeremiah this week. I want to get that song out of your head. So instead... I want you to just think, break on through to the other side, let the doors get stuck in your head this week as we roll forward. Let's pray, and then we're going to jump into Jeremiah today. Holy God, Holy God, speak to us, speak through me, speak around me, speak to our hearts today of your grace, of your love, of your goodness. Remind us of your plan, of your plan for goodness and joy for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we talked about Jeremiah last week, and we're going to talk about Jeremiah a little bit more. Jeremiah was a, was a prophet, and he was prophesying to the, to the kingdom of Judah as the, as the Babylonian empire was encroaching upon them. And he, he talked about how they had not cared for each other, how they had not followed the way of God, and in that weakness, the that they were likely to fall to the Babylonian empire. The people, they don't listen to Jeremiah. And judgment comes. Jerusalem is sieged, and the people are taken into exile. Now, not all of them <clears throat> Excuse me, not all the people the first time around. The, the king and the queen and, and some of the leaders were taken in as, as Judah tried to subdue, or as the Babylonian Empire tried to subdue this area. Jeremiah was left behind. Jeremiah is still in Judah. And in, after all this pronouncement of the judgment that is coming, Jeremiah writes a letter to those that have been taken in to exile. And that's where we're going to pick up the story today. Jeremiah 29, verse 1. It says, This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests. The prophets and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim and the queen mother... The court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elasa, son of Shaphan, and to Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. It said, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. You might wonder, why did we have to read that part with all the names? I skip over that part when I read it home because I don't know how to pronounce those. And the answer is, I wanted to show you that I've learned how to pronounce them. (laughs) No, just kidding. Many of you know that as long as you pronounce them with confidence, nobody actually knows. Uh, The reason we read that section is to, to get the context. Jeremiah is writing this letter. Remember, so... So Babylon has come, and they've sieged Jerusalem and Judah. Um, and they're really what they're really interested is, is the passage to Egypt. So they've seized it, and eventually Jerusalem, the leadership realizes that they, they can't withstand this. And so that it, it's sort of a conditional surrender. And in order to subdue them, the Babylonian empire has this uh, has this method that's been used in the past too? The best way to subdue an area is to pull all of its leadership away, because that leaves the area in chaos, and then you can step in and govern. And so, so they pull the anybody with education, with skills, with leadership ability. They they send them all, they send them all to Babylon. This all happens in about 597 B.C. And then there's a 10-year period where Jeremiah is still offering God's word to the people, both through this letter to those in exile and to those who are left behind in Judah. And he's telling them that, in five, that, that there's still destruction to come. This isn't over. We have strayed so far from God that this is what's going to happen. Total destruction will come. In 587, that total destruction does come. The temple is destroyed because the area still isn't subdued. More people are taken into exile. So now Jeremiah is speaking to people in the exile. Imagine these people who have been taken into exile. They don't know anybody. They don't know the, the language. They're, th- there's just nothing. They don't know when they're ever going to get home. Can you imagine what that's like, just to be taken and plopped into a strange land, not knowing anyone, not knowing the language? Talk about stuck. Talk about despair. And so Jeremiah, he writes them this letter. And he begins to share some things with them. We're going to pick up the letter in Jeremiah 29, uh, verse 5. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Think about this for a moment. Jeremiah is writing this letter to people he had warned. He'd warned them and they did not change their ways. He very easily could have written them a told you so letter. Anybody ever been tempted to write a told you so letter? He could have written them and I told you so letter, but instead he speaks to them of ways to hold on to hope in the midst of feeling stuck. And the first thing he says is, don't wait for things to get better. Don't wait for the situation to change. Live as God's people in this moment. Build houses. Flourish Here. It's like he's saying, there's a time to rise up and there is a time to lament. But right now is a time to live where you are. Trust God where you are. Grow where you are planted. I did a funeral a number of years ago now for a, uh, for a, a gentleman, I believe he was in his 60s, maybe late 50s, I think 60s. His uh, his mom was bearing the third of her children, the third of her children. And uh, and I remember meeting to to plan the service and and uh, and the visitation. And I remember somebody coming up as I was standing next to her and saying, like, "How do you do it? Like, how do you how are you holding it together?" And I'll never forget what she said. She said, God has more for me to do. That's how she was holding it together. God has more for me to do. Did she grieve? Absolutely. Did she struggle? Oh, yeah. But what gave her hope what helped her hold on to her faith and trust in God was just this—this this knowledge God has more for me to do. Matt Miafsky, who wrote the book that this sermon series is, is kind of based out of, he says, "Don't allow your circumstances from stopping you from investing in life." It's really easy when we're, when we're struggling. When we're depressed, it's really easy to, to stop living, to dwell there. But instead, we have this invitation in Jeremiah when we feel stuck, like live fully in the moment. And sometimes we must admit today that it's, it's hard for us to do that on ourselves. To, we should know it's okay to ask for help. Sometimes we need counseling to help us realize the, the blessings we have and, and, and realize the ways that we can live fully in, in the moment. But Jeremiah's message is keep on living because God isn't finished yet. Jeremiah goes on, though. Next, he says, also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Pray for those who brought you into exile. Pray for the people who you're now forced to work for. Wait, what? (laughs) Wouldn't that be the reaction? Like, what? No. No. Jeremiah tells them the way... To peace. Peace individually. Peace as a community. The way to peace is prayer. And trust in God. This doesn't mean. This doesn't mean we accept injustice. But what it means is that, that prayer. It keeps us engaged with God. When it would be really easy to give up. It keeps us anchored. When our anger threatens to just pull any humanity out of us. Prayer, it guards us from cynicism and resentment. Jesus says the same thing. Pray for your enemies. Why? Not because what they do is okay. But because prayer, it takes power back. I'm not going to let what they did define my life I'm not going to let anger and bitterness and violence define my life. I'm going to let the way of Jesus, the way of God, define my life. In my first ministry, it was a dad of one of the youth in our youth group, and he, uh, he lost his job, and it was ugly. Um, ugly. Ugly. He ended up taking the fall for somebody else in the organization who had done something wrong. He had done nothing wrong. It was just, it was a mess. It wasn't handled well at all by the company. He was bitter and angry. And it was interesting as somebody who knew the family to watch, like just watch him change from this guy who was always jovial and upbeat and supportive to just pure bitterness he couldn't find another job. Six months had passed. They began to run up against financial challenges. He was just—he was just stuck there. And I remember—it was probably a, a couple months after a conversation where he, he kind of opened up to me about what was going on and the job loss and everything that had happened. And uh, um, but he had—I'd watched him shift back to the guy he used to be, and and it was like, like what? What's going on? And I, we were just having a conversation, and, and he shared with me, he said, You know, I, I realized that I could let those who set me up define my life. I could let job loss define who I was, or, or I could define it myself. And so he, he said, I prayed to God to help me forgive them. And I prayed for a new direction. And he said, within two or three weeks, I had a couple of interviews. And he said, it it wasn't that the job market changed, it's that I changed. Suddenly I walked into interviews with excitement and energy instead of that bitterness that I was carrying. He said, I I found a way to live again. And then he said, I haven't forgiven them yet. (laughs) Still praying that prayer. prayer is a way to peace in the times when we're stuck, the times of our struggles. Jeremiah keeps writing. Starting at verse 8, he says, yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They're prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Now, this passage is weird because we think of prophets as speaking the word of God. This passage is weird unless we know a little bit of the backstory. So let me quickly give you some of the backstory. In Jeremiah 28, Jeremiah has been saying to the people, This is what God says. You need to live in the way of God and love one another. You won't be strong enough for what's coming, right? Another prophet in the court, his name is Hananiah, he begins standing up and saying, "No, nah, it's all right. He's like, we're, we're going to get through this. Everything's just going to return to normal. He's like, trust the powers that be. Trust me. Trust the, those that are ruling right now and, and just know that everything's going to return to normal and everything is going to be okay, put your trust in our promises, in our power, and it's going to be okay. And Jeremiah says, no. No, we as a people are going to need to recognize that there are consequences of what we've done. and We're going to need to be strong and find a way to live through those consequences together. We can't ignore them. We need to turn to God and face them. Things aren't going to be the same. But if we turn to God, there is a There's a future. Hananiah continues to oppose Jeremiah. And in one of those kind of wild Bible stories, Jeremiah, after Hananiah breaks the yoke that he was carrying to show what was going to happen, he predicts that Hananiah is going to die, and Hananiah dies. In this story, we realize what's going on is is Jeremiah is still, is speaking to the powerful and the powerless the powerful say trust us we'll make things right we'll make things just like it was you're helpless you can't change anything but if you'll just trust trust us then everything will work out you might as well give in to our way even if it isn't the way of god cuz we'll fix it the powerless say nothing you do is going to matter. you failed, so you are a failure. You're getting what you deserve. Sometimes the loudest speaker of this lie is ourselves. Sometimes it's that voice in the head that says, this situation is beyond changing because you you dug this hole and now you're in it. You made, made the bed you're sleeping in. The thing about both of these, they're both lies. That's what Jeremiah says to watch out for. These lies in times of struggle, in times of being stuck. We're not going to get out of it without the guidance and direction and the way of God. But we are going to get out of it. We aren't going to be defined by our failures or the situation in the moment. So Jeremiah goes on to share what should we believe. Verse 10, this is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. The first thing we probably should notice 70 years is a long time. God's promise isn't that everything will be better tomorrow. There's a piece of me that wants to print mugs for the church because a lot of people know this verse, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to to prosper you and not to harm you. On the other side of the mug, I want to put in 70 years just so we get it, right? There's context here. But here's the good news in this, right? It means that God is still at work. That's what Jeremiah wants people to know. Whether what you're hoping for happens in a year or 70 years, God is at work in your life, in the, in the world, in building God's kingdom. God's plan continues, even if you can't see it, even if you can't feel it. God's plan continues to come to fruition through you. When you trust, when you seek God's way, when you pray, when you don't believe the lies and continue to live in God's love and God's way, even when those around you are not. The people in exile, they could have given up on themselves. They could have given up on God. They were just told by Jeremiah that they weren't going to see the deliverance. It wasn't going to happen in in their generation, but they didn't. They didn't give up. They held on. They gathered the faithful people of God. They heard the word of Jeremiah and the other prophets. They found ways in exile to be fruitful, to live fully for God. They built synagogues, and they gathered the people together to return to God's way to keep God at the center of their community, even without the temple. That hope that they held on to was first fulfilled in a return from exile, as God had promised. And then, as we testify to today, it was fulfilled for all time in Jesus. When we are stuck... When we have failed, when we're trying to find a way through, we know that we will not be defined by the circumstances of the world, by our sins, by our mistakes. All of that, all of that was nailed to the cross so that we would be defined by the love of Jesus Christ, our Savior, A future filled with hope. This is what God promises in Jeremiah. Peter Steinke is an author, and he writes about hopefulness and hopelessness, and, and I love what he has to say, hopefulness, he talks about it, it stirs imagination, it expands horizons, it influences events, it, it energizes and creates a sense of buoyancy. Hopelessness, he says, it, it shrinks the radius of possibilities, it becomes apathetic, it entraps, it minimizes options, it, it loses heart. I love that language. I love that sense of buoyancy and hope. It, it made me think when I, when I read it and thinking about Jeremiah and Jeremiah's message about hope for the future, the sense of buoyancy, it made me think of growing up by the Mississippi River. I grew up about 10 minutes from, uh, from the river, and uh, um, I'd heard stories um, from the days, days be- before where people swam across the river. Um my grandma even had a story about walking across it when it turned to ice. I can't imagine. Um, whatever the case, if you're in this area of Missouri, don't try to swim across the Mississippi. Bad idea. But but if you were stranded on one side of the river or dumped into it, there are some things that you should know. Number one, just keep swimming. Don't stop, because if you stop, the current is going to catch you, and you don't know where it will take you. So just keep swimming. The second lesson you should ever know if you're, if you're in the Mississippi and you need to get out of it is swim for the bank. Not where you started. Swim for the bank. Because the reality is you're never going to get back to where you started. In that section, it runs too fast. Even a professional swimmer won't have the energy to get back to where they started. So always swim for the bank. You won't get back to where you started, but that's okay. You'll get to life on the other side. The third lesson is don't go without a life jacket. (laughs) And hang on to that life vest no matter what. Cling to it because it is your lifeline. Jesus is that vest. The current may take us to new places. The trip won't be without struggle. When we arrive on the other side, it may not look like what it did in the past, but Jesus promises to carry us to the other side. And we're invited by Jeremiah to see the way to hold on till we get there. Live for God in this moment. Pray for our circumstances and even for our enemies. Don't believe the lies and trust that what defines us will not be this moment, but the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.